Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so glad you're with us today. Whether or not we ever realize it, all of us are on a path of spiritual learning and growth. Even your, you know, cranky old Uncle Edgar, who you never had a kind word for anyone. He was on a path of spiritual growth. I guess he had some ways to go. But all of us are on that path. And to give us a place where we can really efficiently experience the spiritual stressors that we need to raise our consciousness vibrations away from fear and toward more perfect love is the reason why this universe even exists. As far as we've been able to determine, there really is no other reason, but it does exist for that purpose. This is our, as Craig Hogan says, our our school, it's our spiritual gem is what I call it. Either way, it's a place for us to learn and grow. And since we're all here to learn and grow spiritually, and since the vibration of the earth has sunk so low that the need for all of us to grow spiritually has become very urgent, We have been inviting a few special people of late to join us on Seek Reality and share with us what they have done to raise their personal vibrations and what they've learned in the process and what they can share with us. As you know, I favor the easiest route. For me, the easiest is always the best. It turns out that religions are fear-based, so they are really not spiritual journeys, but... The teachings of Jesus, provided we strip away all the Christianity, the teachings of Jesus are amazingly effective at helping us to grow spiritually. I've shared what they've done for me and what and what they can do for you, too, if you like. In the third book of my fun trilogy, which is called The Fun of Growing Forever, we can't transform the world until we transform ourselves. But there are other methods. Some of them are more complicated. Some of them are probably stronger in what they can do for you. It's all up to who you are and what resonates most with you. So there, one of the people that um, I, I think has probably had the most of uh, elevating journey is is our guest today his book is extraordinary this is actually i think his third or fourth spiritual book but his name is michael goddard and he was meditating get this for two hours a day in his early 20s he has spent more than 30 years earnestly working on his own spiritual growth by day he was an international tax consultant i don't even know what that is i'm going to ask him but in his private time Michael has devoted himself to his effort to achieve an ever deeper and an ever higher and more completely spiritual realized identity. His resulting books have earned him numerous awards. They include Bliss, 33 Simple Ways to Awaken Further, Spiritual Revolution, A Seeker's Guide, and Spiritual Revolution. His latest book about spiritual development is also an award winner, I just learned. It's called A New Now, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving Equilibrium, and Empowering Your Nobler Self. What a great title. Michael, welcome. I'm so glad you're with us today. Thank you, Roberta. It's really a joy to be with you, and I loved your introduction. It was really great. What is an international tax consultant? Because the tax laws are different in every country. Yeah, but if you're a U.S. citizen or resident, you have U.S. filing responsibilities. So I was initially, I was in the foreign branch of the Internal Revenue, traveling around auditing Americans uh, in 
embassies and consulates around the world, but also giving lectures. And then I went into my private practice and I had clients from around the world, but, but also a lot in the U.S. So I was in the tax world actually for 44 years and I loved it. But I also did a lot of writing for tax. I was a manager for a while at, at the tax department of Bank of America. But wow. luckily I, I left the tax world a few years ago and that has freed up more time to write. Hence, I've had you know, my third and fourth book published in the last few years. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a pretty impressive career. People who are who listen regularly to Seek Reality love to know more about the people who are teaching us. And so I think that they would like to know a little more about what made a 20-year-old want to meditate two hours a day. I mean, there's a world out there. What made you, what, what drove you to this voyage, which has actually been so successful for you? Well, th thank you, Roberta. Well, actually, my conscious spiritual journey this lifetime began when I was 10 years old when we moved to California. And right after my 11th birthday, uh, we couldn't afford to go to the religious institution because my dad had just started a new job and wasn't making that much money yet. So we had kind of a makeshift service at home and I asked a number of questions. And I just felt that it was probably one of the best religions, but it was not living for me and I had to seek my own path. But at that time, I really began to confront the fact that I was going to die. Uh, maybe I was aware of death more than other kids because I'd been raising tropical fish since I was five. And oh. every few weeks, I would see one on the ground or floating belly up, and I'd have to fish it out with a net and flush it down the toilet. So I was like actively trying to experience and visualize the fact that I was going to die. And I was just filled with this overwhelming sense of dread, and I'd break out in cold sweats. And right then and there, when I was just turned 11, I decided I felt that there was a way to achieve immortality, literal, you know, if not literal, figuratively. So when I was 11, I literally devoted my life to achieving immortality and achieving a consciousness of pure bliss. So from that point on, I was searching. You were so young, you could even formulate that wish. Oh, yeah. And and actually, this would all become clear if people read my spiritual memoir, In Search of Lost Lives, which actually won four book awards, because I recover 88 past lives uh, and write about them in the book. And just reading my three most recent lives, I was very actively a seeker. Uh, seeking oh, for a, a higher spiritual teacher, and particularly sense. my most recent life, I call I was a co-owner of a uh, I was English a co-owner of an office supply company and stationery house, but I was mainly a seeker. You know, I was upper middle class. I had the time. I lived in London, and I read book after book after book, looking for the path. Uh, I knew was meant for me, but it all, everything makes sense. Everything ties together. So I came in perfectly primed to start searching okay. at a young that, age. Everyone, yeah. we are going to be talking about that book separately in the spring of 2022. So I don't know when you're listening to this, but make a note. And I'm eager to, to read that book and we'll talk about it separately because uh, sure. it's, a, it's a somewhat different voyage, yeah. but it's a wonderful thing for all of us to be much more aware of how other lives, past and future, because nothing is in, is sequ is in sequence. 
Right, and I just want to uh, say a sentence or two about the book that would relate to the audience. Reading the book, you really get a sense of all our comings and goings in my spiritual evolution across literally thousands of lives. And I trace back my spiritual evolution all the way back a few thousand lives back to when I was a a mother with six children. and anyway, it's it's very clear how each life I was spiritualized a little bit, that I took a step forward. Yes, so, that's, that should be our plan. So, yes. so that's something to look forward to in the spring. We'll be talking with them again. I'm sorry, not it's not sooner. If we can get sure. them in sooner, we will. But the problem is we really, believe it or not, are pretty much always booked eight or nine months ahead with guests. I, I it's wonderful to me. I love this. I love doing this, but I, I wish I could had, wish I had more control because it's very, uh, it's like a, a plethora of riches to have so many friends who have good books and have other wonderful things to share with us. But anyway, so, all right, so you, you began to do meditation. And at what point did you start becoming an evil IRS agent? Oh, well, that was when I uh, returned to England after my junior abroad to to see friends and visit a fiancé. Um, so right after I turned 22, I became an IRS agent. But uh, through high school, I had been searching, and two things became clear to me. I knew that uh, the most important element of my path would be meditation, and uh, I knew I'd have to become a vegetarian. And when I was maybe 12 years old, I was in my bedroom fussing around with my aquarium, and we, my family listened to the news an awful lot. And so they were listening to a local San Francisco station, and there was a feature story about a man who'd walked from San Francisco to Salt Lake City all on his own, oh, and wow. he was a vegetarian. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And I thought, yeah. it was the first time I'd heard the word, and I thought, well, you're going to become a vegetarian. And I asked myself when, and it was like, when you become legal. So when I was in England, my junior year abroad, I tried to be a vegetarian, but literally the only thing, two things we could eat on campus were chips and beans. They don't cook their beans (laughs) in lard. And I I couldn't, now it's a paradise. England's a paradise now if you're a vegetarian, but then nobody had a clue, at least at the university. So, but when I came back, right when I turned 21, I did become a vegetarian. A few months later, I was initiated, uh, and I, I made the promise to meditate, to tithe my time, uh, two and a half hour, at least two and a half hours daily in meditation. Wow. So since 21, I've been meditating two and a half hours a, a day. But I'm not saying that uh, to advocate it for anybody, but this was my path. You know, I want to empower people to find what's right for them because everyone's on their own journey. You know, the steps and byways are their own. Uh, you have the power within you to figure out what next. Actually, your your guides are helping you quite a bit. Um, obviously, that's what happened there. You mm-hmm. read something, maybe your guide or heard it, and your guide mm-hmm. put it in front of you and then made, made a light bulb go off in your head. And that's that's a, how a lot of our guides work with us. They don't, uh, you know, you're not going to hear a booing voice in your mind. But if you're drawn to something, if it resonates 
to with you. Pay attention and maybe try it out because that's how our guides speak with us. They speak in whispers and in nudges, and uh, obviously that that was that was what you were supposed to supposed to do, had planned to do. And our guides' job is to help us fulfill our life plan. But the thing about your book, I knew now, is that it really it's not just for someone who's willing to meditate two and a half hours a day, which to me, that's like the Olympics of meditation. I can't imagine doing that. But it's not only for, it's, it's, you, this is what your distributor says about your book. That he says a new now surveys virtually the entire range of daily life and activities and provides key insights to help people navigate the issues that are faced, they're facing in their lives. And that's true. I mean, it talks about literally everything and it does it in a way i mean even the subheadings are all you have a number beside them so that you can you don't have to use it you know by reading from page one to page whatever it is 200 all you have to do is is well, what am i trying to do now once you've read the introductory part you can choose it I'm, i hope i'm not saying something wrong here but it looks to me as if you could use it as a smorgasbord the things you feel you need, you know, just look at the, the, the table of contents and your guide will help you say, okay, well, let's look at that. Let's do that, uh, which to me was is a very sensible way to write a book. I, it never has occurred to me to give people that kind of fine control over what they read and when they read it. But it works. I tried it. It works. Oh, oh great. And, and actually, that's uh, exercising your intuition uh, and your higher sense of knowing, which is a very prominent feature of the book. Uh, the book is really meant to be a companion for people throughout their lives, and we can get, go into that further. Uh, and Well, as, as part of that, I introduced the Journey Journal in the beginning, and, and that can be downloaded from my website, Goddard.com, uh, and I, I give instructions on how to take it. You know, the point is there are so many uh, illuminating and wonderful books out there, but for myself, I have a terrible memory. Uh, I, if I read something, maybe I'll remember one or two things, and, and then after two weeks or whatever, I forget it. But with the Journey Journal, uh, you can kind of tailor it to exactly how you need it, uh, and you can download that under uh, in free media on my website, Goddard.com. And basically, it's a template of the whole table of contents, and it, it includes, uh, which include the 33 wisdoms, which are the 11 loving wisdoms, the 11 guiding wisdoms, and the 11 evolutionary wisdoms, but also the 10 keys to achieving equilibrium, the five sources of wisdom. So if you want to like focus more on inspiration or intuition, you can read the book and you can journal, or you can copy parts of the text into your journal, whatever works for you. This whole book is meant to empower you to, to really uh, take responsibility for your spiritual growth. It's also kind of, I thought, sweetly encouraging. It, it's mm -hmm. you never say if if you if you have this or that thought, you're, you you have to do these horrible things to get out of whatever this horrible path is you're on. But you're encouraging people. You're nudging them toward a healthier way to live in your body and in your mind. And in a very, I thought it was quite lovely. Uh, some of the the, the ways in which you encourage people to uh, do what's best for them and to uh, what I can see is going to help them grow spiritually. Um, if you're not a journaler, 
um, they're, they're pro- I, it still makes sense to me. You don't have to write a lot of your own thoughts, but it makes sense to me if you're using this book. And I thought the book was terrific for this use. If you're using it to help yourself get control of your mind, control of your life, and live a much more positive life and begin to grow spiritually, if that's what your goal is, then this is a terrific book for that because it addresses all aspects of your life. And it's if you just keep track of what you've read and maybe what you thought about it, um, that's a journey journal. And it certainly uh, uh, would, would work to help you develop that path, which is what we all need to be on. But a lot of people, there are so many ways, even Jesus said this, there are so many ways to grow spiritually that how do you find the right path? Well, that's another thing this book probably can do for you. You don't have to meditate. In other words, two and a half hours a day. What did it do for you? I keep wanting to ask this question and thinking I shouldn't, but this is my personal question. As you were doing that every day, A, I don't know how you did it because I have a monkey mind and it just doesn't, it doesn't want me to meditate. But how did it affect your life to meditate that much, even early on? Do you have you memories of that? Well, yeah, well, it completely prioritized my life in the right way. And we each have a monkey mind. I have an overpoweringly dominant monkey mind, which I'm always struggling with. But the more you concentrate, the more you focus at the third eye, which is really the entry point for for your uh, spiritual life, uh, the more bliss you can have, the more peace the more oneness you can experience. So it's always a struggle. Until we master the mind, we're really a slave. But one of the things the book uh, does, Roberta, is, as you know, is it really clarifies what your higher mind is and your lower mind, but also the soul. So many people identify with their thoughts and their mind, and just because you think something, it doesn't mean that you have to do it. This is you. So this book, in a very practical, nitty-gritty way, will also help you get the right perspective on who you are, what your mind is, and how to deal with it in virtually any situation you encounter. I I can see that that's true. But now, were your inspirations primarily um, Eastern religious thought? Because you obviously have done a lot of reading and, and learning. Yes, well, my inspirations uh, are are actually the teachings of all the uh, realized souls and beings who've come here. Like in my first book, Spiritual Revolution, uh, the the person I quote the most is is Jesus from the Bible, although we have to always remember he did not write the Bible himself. But, you know, Rumi, a lot of people are familiar with Rumi, Shamsi Tabriz, who was his master, Mirabai, an Indian saint, um, Guru Nanak, Kabir Saab, they're, you know, God is totally all merciful. We are never without a completely advanced soul uh, on the earth. That's that's my reality and what I, what I experience. So it may or may not be your goal or your dharma this lifetime to work with a, a teacher. And there are a lot of so-called false gurus out there. Yes. The, the point is, this is where, you know, learning to use your discrimination is so key because so many sincere people take up a path and there's some teacher out there and they, they really get duped. So 
it's really also taking responsibility rather than giving your power away. We have all the power of knowing within ourselves. It's just a question of learning how to accessing it, how to access it and doing it on a regular basis. So I, I draw from all traditions, spiritual revolution. I, I in the early part of a new now, I write a lot about creating your spiritual foundation. And yes. Spiritual Revolution, my first book, really is a distillation of, of the teachings of all mystics and saints, including Jesus, into 52 easily understood principles. Uh, as a matter of fact, the leading uh, metaphysical bookshop in Australia called it the, the greatest, one of the 10 greatest metaphysical books ever written. Which is so remarkable. It's, uh, That's good for you. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. So it's really uh, up to you to take responsibility for your journey. And this is the most thrilling adventure imaginable. I mean, Earth is really, I feel, the school of hard knocks. This is really yes. tough. Uh, and, you know, just going through the last two years, nobody, a pandemic was on my radar, but I'm sure a lot of people had no idea what they're going to go through and how many people they're going to lose. So at the outset of my book, I, I write, you've been given the most precious gift possible, and that is your human life. Before you know it, will be over. Why not make the best use of it? So this is sort of my clarion call to people to wake up further. You know, you've been waking up for how God knows how many lives, but we're in a very tough situation here on Earth, but this is where you can make the most spiritual progress. Yes. In fact, we're told by some beings, not in bodies, that there are many places where we can evolve spiritually in the universe and that this is the toughest one. Mm -hmm. Earth is the toughest. In fact, there was one tougher and apparently it blew, it blew itself up. That's how tough it was. It just it got too deep in, in negativity and blew itself up. So they're trying to keep us from doing that. That's why we're, there's this rescue campaign going on, which we've talked about actually in other Secret Reality episodes. But, but the point is, if you happen to go into an intergalactic bar, if you watch Star Wars, you know what I'm talking about, the movie. Um, if you go into that bar and you just say, I'm from Earth, they'll all step aside because this is the toughest place. And we are the toughest, apparently, souls who choose to come here repeatedly. I just tell that as an anecdote. I have no idea if it's true, but we've been told it by people who would know, who are not now in bodies. It's just amazing to think there are all these other places to evolve. And most, most of them, most of us take a life or two on, on a few other places just to get the experience. But most of the people who are here choose to come to the toughest place. Good for you. Well, well actually, if I may uh, jump in here, Roberta, I'm glad you're bringing this up. In, in Search of Lost Lives, my spiritual memoir, I write about my lives on two other planets. Uh, I write about mainly notable lives, which are kind of starring roles in a life. So this is the third planet uh, I've incarnated on. The first two planets, the, the denizens were more spiritually evolved. Yes. Uh, it was a completely different existence. Yep. Technology was like almost non-existent. Uh, and those were fascinating lives. And my parents and myself, we had really highly evolved professions, kind of w working with creative visualization, reordering people's thought processes, all kinds of really what you might call woo-woo stuff on Earth. But people people needed it, and they believed in it, and they were working on their, their mental development. Um, 
but it didn't mean we were masters of our mind. It, it really wasn't until I was a Tibetan 12 lives back that my higher mind finally became predominant over my lower mind a majority of the time. One reason um, the earth is such a raucous place is that people are ruled by their lower minds and their passions. You know, they go from one sensation to the next. There's there's really no control. So, you know, this is the place to really get down and dirty and focus on what you want to do with your life. They, they tell us that you can learn the most here spiritually. There, you can mm -hmm. grow rapidly and grow well, but it's it's a tough place to be, and you've got to be spiritually quite tough even to be here. I don't think of it that way. I think of it as a lovely place, but obviously uh, I'm sort of looking at everything through happy eyes rather than seeing. When you think about it, there's a tremendous amount of pain here and a tremendous amount of of, of people not caring about other people's pain. I mean, that's very tough. Well, yes, there's an enormous suffering, uh, even among people who don't think they're suffering, who maybe, you know, think they have the ideal spouse uh, and great material surroundings. Uh, everybody is suffering in some way, some ways, some much more obviously than, than others. With a really good spiritual foundation and, and treading your spiritual path, no matter where that takes you, that really can bring inner happiness and contentment. Because yes. you you know you're 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 doing what you're supposed to be doing. It makes such a tremendous difference. I I wish I had known earlier in my life what a difference it makes. I would have worked on it much sooner. But it changes everything in your life. You think the things around you, are are the way they are, and they're and they and that's them. But let me tell you, when I, I've been married almost fifty years to a very patient man, and he became so much nicer over all that time. But you know what? He didn't change at all. I was the one who changed, and that's the part of this which to me is the most wonderful. You have the power to change everything in your life simply by growing spiritually and deciding that that's the most important thing because it does transform everything else. It's amazing. Yes, I mean, that's exactly true. I'm glad you brought that up. Just by, you really can't change people. They have to change within themselves, but by right. changing within yourself, by modeling loving, kind behavior, Miracles can happen. It is amazing. It really is. Now, you talk about wisdom a lot. And mm -hmm. you define, or you, you say, Webster defines wisdom as the effectual mediating principle or personification of God's will in the world, which I had never seen it. I had never seen that definition. Talk about that. Well, God is the repository of, or the storehouse of, of all the virtues, including wisdom. Uh, the, the wiser we are, the, the closer we are to God, the more we are like that, that power. Uh, and, and wisdom is really, really making best use of your mental faculties and intuition moment to moment. Each of us has this inexhaustible well of wisdom within us. I, I think of it uh, as an inverted well, an aquifer. Now I live in Palm Springs, California. And I live over an aquifer, which is really layers of sedimentary rock with water in between them. So think of the free-flowing water as the water of life, your, your higher consciousness. Now, for me, meditation is literally blasting away at the rock, so the higher knowing can come in within you. But the more you 
work on accessing your inner well of wisdom and knowing, the more it develops. I mean, think of all the mistakes you made as a teenager and all the wild ideas. And not so much in our culture, but in other cultures, they called the older people. They were like, you know, the the wise elders because they had lived and hopefully learned all kinds of wisdom from it. Right. So wisdom is really one of your keys to happiness. Wisdom, you want to live in wisdom, but with equilibrium, because the two go hand in hand. And equilibrium is simply being in dynamic balance. It's not being static or passive, but it's really being at your spiritual center, which I write about, and, and how to attain it. And again, I would just stress, it: if you if you pick up this book, you'll see that it isn't just chapters, and I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody do this, certainly not recently, but each chapter breaks out rather fine and by page, so you can find just about anything you want to see talked about. You can find a discussion, and it's a simple discussion, and it, there you don't talk down to people either, Michael, which to me is very important, because even though we are all learners here, we are all also very advanced beings already. We we have we have a much higher level of spiritual development actually than we realize um, when we're here. The, be, just being inside a material body weighs us down quite a bit. So I love the fact that you don't talk down to people. You you talk to people on their level, which is quite wonderful. Well, thank you, Robert. I'm I'm so glad you made that point. Well, I'm I'm just a struggling soul like everyone else, and. Uh, you know, if we're on this journey, I, I want us to like walk shoulder to shoulder, uh, figuratively. Uh, so, I, and I'm always happy if someone really has a burning question or a burning need to reach out to me. Uh, you can email me uh, through my website, and and listen to other interviews as well. And you're you're one of the lucky people who got your own name. It's, so it's just plain Godart, right? G O D. Yeah, yeah. And and let me spell that because often people misspell that. It's G O D for God, and D A R T for Dart. Goddard. Think about it. Yeah. And, and if you don't have anything to write with at at, at this moment, uh, think of a love dart coming from God. Uh, <laughs> I once I had a summer job in the U.S. Postal Service, and I had to memorize a zip code, which is really challenging for all the mail carriers. And I, I, I that's how I, I memorized how to how to throw the mail. So, yeah, it was it, it took me like 35 minutes. And I had the whole zip code down, you know, for oh manually throwing the mail. It was a lot of fun. Oh my goodness! Well, it's godart.com, and um, we're, we'll also put it in the notes to this program. So if you're driving, it'll be there when you get when you get back. Just look at the notes, and you'll be able to find it. But so you welcome people to to get in touch with you. Well, you know, if if you have a sincere, you know, burning question or issue, yes. Uh, but people can also find me uh, in a lot of my interviews on Facebook. My book page is More Bliss. That's More Bliss. And I'm on uh, Facebook uh, and LinkedIn as Michael Goddard. This is wonderful. Great. All right. Well, so so what, as we think about this, what do you want? What would you say to as someone who has meditated so much all your life and, and obviously been a seeker? By the way, one more question I wanted to ask you. Um, did the, the very young Michael Goddard decide that he was already immortal? Or how did that get resolved? Because you started this quest wanting to become immortal. How did that resolve? 
Well, I, I totally know that I, I am on a path of achieving mortality, but most people may not want that or be ready for it because it really means giving up your identity, your I-ness. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to leave the body and ultimately I'm going to leave the mind because I am not my mind. To function on this physical plane in the higher mental spiritual plane, you need a mind. But ultimately, we are the soul. You know, that is our consciousness. That is the observer, the knower. So ultimately, I'm going to see, you know, when I die, I'll cease to be Michael Goddard. I'll, I'll still be this mind-soul entity. But as I progress spiritually, I have no doubt that when I pay off all my debts, you know, for all the good and bad deeds I've done, which is simply the law of action or reaction, which we've been engaged in through you know, countless, almost countless, countless lives. I'm going to leave the mind be behind, and eventually I will merge in the the ultimate, highest being, which has no name, is nameless. So that's what these advanced teachers come. They they just come for. The, uh, there are a lot of souls. They're they're disciples, and people may come across them, but if they're not meant to follow this particular master, they can come back another life and get initiated. I, I mean, I, I met a very spiritual, I mean, the most advanced master you can imagine two lives ago. So that really was imprinted on my consciousness. That's why I was so apt to, to seek the life afterwards because I had been touched by immortality. One of the things that I, I should just say here as an anecdote um, is, that when, when, when we, when, if you do a course in miracles, you get to what they call the extinction of the ego. And the ego, when it, you get to that point, fights back very hard. And it, gives, it uses whatever weapon is going to work most against you. And the one that it used against me was that um, I, if I become any more advanced, I will merge with the Godhead and lose my, my awareness. I will lose who I am. And that terrified me so much that I couldn't sleep. I, I said, what's the point of going through doing all of this if the end is that you're just not going to exist anymore? And, you know, your energy. And at the time, believe it or not, there was a time when everyone was teaching that, that you can accept the second death and then you won't be anymore. So one morning I woke up and I heard my, my guide's voice in my mind. Uh, my guide is Thomas. And Thomas said, you will never lose awareness. You will have God's awareness. And I said, oh, that's got to be good enough for me. And ever <laughs> since then, I've had no fears. I don't know what the answer is. None of us does. But if it scares you, you know, if you're listening now, and if it scares you to think, as it did me, that I won't exist anymore, you become God in the most intimate sense. We're already part of God, but we become part of the highest aspect of the Godhead. But we will still be aware. You will still be aware. It's just that you will be all people, all consciousness, all things. That, it seems to me, is a lot more appealing about growing than is the thought that you're growing to become extinguished. But whatever works for you is fine. I think for a kid who was so <laughs> didn't want to die, that it's very, probably very comforting to think that you don't have to continue to be you forever, but you can be. Um, I would like to add, it's just whatever works for you personally. As you pointed out, Michael, everybody is so 
different. We're all on different journeys, and we've all had different experiences, and we all have more experiences to come. Yeah, and Robert, I'm so glad you shared that anecdote because you raised so many really key crucial points. It is terrifying to think of giving up your ego, your highness, and that's the whole point. It's going to fight you all the way. But it's sort of like, you know, if you're a, a muddy raindrop uh, on a rock, do you want to rejoin the ocean, the ocean of bliss, and have total awareness, omniscience, immortality? Well, if you go through enough um, meditation and or suffering, your opinion may change. But that's a really huge, huge leap for a lot of people. That's so, right. And I, for a while, I had a struggle with like, no, I want to you know, develop my personality. But now, you know, as I'm older, I'm I'm quite ready and willing. But I know there's still a lot of journeying ahead of me. Yes. Yeah, That that's. You know, most of the fun is getting there, I think. But um, knowing that it's all good, the higher we go, the more we learn, the more we develop, the better and happier we are personally. I think that is a very important, important result of all of this, this working to try to grow spiritually. I, it does make you so much happier. It makes you, makes you really pity people who don't have the ability at right now to, to see how wonderful it can be as you grow spiritually and, and how much, basically how much nicer every other human being becomes when, when you start looking at them with love. Oh, my goodness, what a difference it makes. Yeah, I, I think right to your point, there's a section in the 11 Guiding Wisdoms called The Wisdom of Seeking Permanent Happiness. I think people will really get a lot out of that because so many people, you know, friends, relatives seek happiness in material objects, power, fame, just getting lost um, in the game you're playing or a show. The, The thing is, we're all suffering because we are separated. We are separated from God. And it's good to, if you ever feel a wistful, nostalgic feeling, kind of a feeling of not fitting in, of loneliness, that is a feeling to embrace because that's really a feeling of the soul, feeling of your separation from your source. This is not your home. You are here, hopefully, to return home at some point. It may yes. be eight lives from now. You may really, it may really happen two lives from now. You can't tell at this point, but this is your chance to go for it, I, I say. It just, it does make you happy. That's what I w- really want to leave everyone with talking about this. And this is a wonderful book to use if you decide now is the time because there's so much in it. It basically, whatever your pace is, whatever your order of learning is, if you if you really can get in touch with yourself, this book will, can help you get to where you really want to go. And I, I, I really, I, I applaud you for writing it, but I can see it took a lifetime to get to the point where you could write it. Well, when I was first, I wanted to write something new, and I really got the working title literally word by word. And the first word to come through that I knew was true was wisdom. I said, no way. This is too daunting and too audacious. But, you know, I got the working title, which is pretty much like the actual title. And you now came through just as I started to write the introduction. But it just got written word by word by word. Now, when I read it, I thought, wow, how did this happen. But it's just, I'm a writer, basically. I love writing. I'm here to articulate spirituality. That's my great joy in addition to meditating. 
Well, thank you for being with us today. We'll, we'll, we'll see you in the spring. I'm looking forward to talking about reincarnation very much with you. I am too. <laughs> Everyone, thank you for being with us. This, we've come to the end of our time now, and this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm really glad you got to be part of this today. Never forget, please, that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you really get what that means, wow, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, we're going to be talking with Mikey Morgan and his mother, Carol, and they'll be with us for the 14th time. Mikey last incarnated, as you may well know, in the 1600s, and he's evolved to what we think of as the upper part of the sixth level of the, the greater reality, so he's very near the source now. Like so many of the most elevated beings, he was concerned about the lowered consciousness vibration of this planet, that it's apparently we're in the danger zone. He decided to do something big to help heal the world, so he took a brief voluntary lifetime on Earth that ended in 2007, so he would be able to communicate with us in the voice and with the cultural knowledge of a modern 20-year-old. Now he answers our questions from the sixth level through his mother, Carol. The book that he and Carol wrote together is fabulous. It's called Flying High in Spirit, a young snowboarder's account of his ride through heaven. And he still snowboards, believe it or not. We'll talk about it with Carol next week. His book is the best account of the afterlife by someone now living there that I have ever read. And it's so much fun to read. I really recommend it strongly. He's going to join us next week on Seek Reality with Carol and, and answer your questions. So I don't know if we can get your question in this time, but if you uh, if you have any questions, send them to me. And if they, he's going to be with us four times a year. If, they, if we can't answer them this week, we'll answer them next week. And, of course, this week our guest has been Michael Goddard. Michael is an international tax consultant, now retired, I guess, and spiritual seeker. And he's the author of a new book, which I think is great, called A New Now, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving Equilibrium and Empowering Your Nobler Self. Beautiful title. The more we hear about the essentially spiritual nature of human life on Earth, the more we learn, the more we at Seek Reality want to share the most prominent seekers with you. My own method is really simple, and I talk about it in the fun of growing forever, and it works for me, but it may not work for you at all. And this is a, a this book, this, A New Now, is kind of a compendium of a lot of wisdom, so that it's something which, wherever you are, you probably can get out of it what you need. Uh, and, and as you heard, um, the author is a lovely, very unassuming man. All spiritual growth at our level is the raising of our personal consciousness vibrations away from fear and toward love. It's simple, and there are many ways to do it. So that's why I share with you different spiritual seekers so you can find the person who can most help you. The most important thing you can do in this life is to, is to kill your fear. The way to do that, first of all, is to learn that there is no death. Death is an illusion. And then to begin to learn how to raise your own vibration. Each of us must do it for ourselves, but believe me, that journey is so much worthwhile. And I should just parenthetically say that since you enjoy all this learning, one of the things you might want to think about doing is joining the Afterlife Research and Education Institute. 
It's called AREI. We call it familiarly, familiarly AREI. And it's headed by our wonderful friend and primary contributor, Dr. R. Craig Hogan. Craig is the sole living person that I know who is most on top of everything afterlife and greater reality. He has studied extensively and fearlessly, and he knows more than anybody else that I have ever met about all of this stuff. AREI puts out a wonderful weekly, rather monthly newsletter, and he edits it, and a lot of what's in it is that you can see really his heart. So if these topics we talk about here interest you, just go to afterlifeinstitute.org, and you can learn from the man who is still my teacher. Of course, as you know, my own nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and very soon now, The Fun of Loving Jesus. For children, there's The Fun of Meeting Jesus, and that's a beautiful illustrated picture book. You can order all of these books through bookstores or on Amazon.com, and the adult books are also available as audiobooks. Please don't forget, if you want to talk to me about anything at all, just go to the green contact block on robertagrimes.com. I answer every question. If you don't get an answer from me, this happened just this week, someone didn't get an answer because I had the wrong email address and I couldn't figure out how to fix it. So uh, that I, I'm sorry about that, but please try again if you didn't get the answer that you wanted. If you enjoy our weekly conversations, please also think about coming and signing up to get my blog each Sunday morning. We talk about all kinds of things, and there is a wonderful group of commenters, so it's really a community. Meanwhile, though, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy, please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you, most of all, you and the universe are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.